Welcome to Harrison Church. In case you missed the announcements this week, the hot topic of the summer is the Tent Revival Combined Worship Service that's being held on July 16th at 10 a.m. Visit our website for further information. This week, Pastor Kyle delivers a powerful message asking, Who is Jesus? This complicated question is one that often leaves us speechless. But after today's lesson, you may have the confidence to deliver the answer. But good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle. It is always an honor and a privilege to be able to bring the word to you. But I must tell you, I come uh, trembling. uh, And it usually starts about 5.45 in the morning. So when I wake up and I know it's my day to preach, it just, uh, you know, I just, uh, I, I come here uh, in the fear that I, uh, you know, that I, I can't do this uh, on my own. And so I pray all the way to this moment. And I pray that you'll be blessed by the word that God has prepared over the last few weeks, uh, that it might resonate with you and you might hear it as coming straight from him. Our uh, scripture passage uh, comes to us today from uh, Matthew's gospel. It's right at the tail end of uh, chapter 9. And then spills over a little bit into chapter 10. So hear now the reading of God's word. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Then Jesus summoned his twelve and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. He continued saying, as you go, proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now you may be seated. Now you may be seated. You may recall that uh, I was away a few Sundays ago. And uh, I was attending seminary classes down in Emory. And, uh, and I want to thank you, first of all, as the church and my employer for, uh, for allowing me to be away on Sundays that I can continue my, uh, my education. Um, but the interesting thing that's been happening as I have been studying and reading and writing and preparing and having conversation around this campus and, and with the rest of the staff, not knowing that when Shane and I, Pastor Shane and I, uh, set the preaching schedule weeks ago, that there would be this alignment between all the work that I've been doing and this scripture passage for today. And so I feel like God has, has kind of preordained this moment for not, not just you, but for me also, both the preacher and the hearer uh, need to hear this message. After coming out of the six-week sermon that pass, uh, series that Pastor Shane just preached, on how we live matters, uh, the lifestyle of the Christian, the lifestyle of those who profess in Christ, um, this passage, I think, is, is appropriate, even though right out of the lectionary that has been preset, um, I think it's both timely and relevant. 
I want, you to, uh, I want you to travel with me, if you will. We're going to take a trip. We're going to find our ways out to uh, Charlotte Douglas Airport. We're going to subject ourselves to the TSA body search, and we're going to get through security, and we're going to get on an airplane, and we're going to travel to some place that we've never been before, some place where the gospel has never been preached. Imagine, if you will, the, the Russian countries after the fall of communism or, or maybe China or maybe, maybe some of the strong Islamic nations where Christianity is illegal. We're going to head there, you and I, and we're going to be among the first Christians ever allowed to come and, and preach the good news. And so we make the long trip, trip to the other side of the world and uh, we head down to baggage claim and we're waiting on our bags when a woman approaches you. And she asks you if you are with the group of Americans who have come to teach about Jesus. And you say, of course, yes, I am. All of us are. We're, we're all Christians and we've come to, to teach in Jesus' name. And she said, I'm so excited to meet you. I've never met a real live Christian before. And so I have just one question for you. I want to know, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus. I think this is the question that, that's the, that is at the heart of the message for us today. Is who is Jesus? In Matthew's narrative of the Jesus story, the text that we just read is preceded by Jesus' initial teachings. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is in there, and, and Jesus has preached these strange words that we call the Beatitudes, where, where he begins to, to, to crack the door on the idea that things are about to be turned upside down. He says, blessed are those who mourn, and the meek, and those who th hunger and thirst. He even concluded that teaching by saying, and blessed you will be when people persecute you, and revile you because of my name. This was as strange of teaching then as it is for us now. It was just as strange as some of the messages that we've heard during the past six weeks when, when, when Pastor Shane was teaching us that how we live is, should be different than what the rest of the culture is doing. And, and, and we don't necessarily get it right away. Sometimes it takes time to to sort of ponder it and unpack it and, and see where our lifestyle conflicts with, with what God has called us and how God has called us uh, to live. Matthew summarizes Jesus' ministry uh, several times throughout his gospel, and they basically all say the same thing. Verse, 30, uh, verse 36 or 35 said it this way. He said, Then Jesus went, he went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their, their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and sickness. He went, he proclaimed, he spoke, he told the good news, and then he performed healings. This is the crux of Jesus' work while here on earth. He went where the people were. You may have heard him referred to as an itinerant preacher, in, 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 in times past, uh, some preachers still say Jesus was an itinerant preacher. It may remind you of the early Methodist church where, where pastors were circuit riders and they went from church to church preaching and teaching in lots of different places. 
And so, and so Jesus went where the people were. He went on the mountain. He went along the seashore. He was in the wilderness. He was at weddings. He was in vineyards. He was in gardens. He just proclaimed the gospel and the good news wherever he went. His message of the kingdom of God resonated with mostly with the lower classes of people that were finding their way to him. He proclaimed a message of hope that they hadn't heard before. This this upside down teaching where all of a sudden they have value. The gospel was indeed good news for them. Those whose lives lives were just a struggle every day. There was no relief. They were constantly being oppressed and beat down. His word of the kingdom was accompanied by healings. He touched people. People touched him. Lives were changed. We see in Matthew's gospel the healing of the man with leprosy, the the centurion's son, um, the paralytic, the blind, all kinds of teaching as Jesus went proclaiming the gospel. It kind of all worked together while he was doing the ministry that he was sent to do. Lazarus, the the healing of Lazarus was... Uh, the ultimate healing that would eventually get him killed. But the evidence of the effects of the kingdom is undeniable. It's undeniable. The difference that healing makes in a person's life is clearly visible. They were, but they are no longer You were, but you are no longer. It's the healing that Christ offers that makes a difference. And it's true. It is as true now as it was true then. When you have been healed from an illness, a sickness, a disease, or released from something that has held you captive and had power over you, it is as as clear and visible to the people around you as it is to you. Um, The Barna Group a research company that specializes in matters of faith, uh, recently released a a study, a seven-year study around church attendance. And they ranked the the country's largest cities according to three criteria or three metrics. They they classified the results uh, by churched, unchurched, and de-churched. And there's a a lot of information around how they determined that. Um, But the interesting thing, and the bottom line is that 64% of the people in America today, this was just released, uh, I think, late last year, over seven years, 64% of the people in this country fall into the unchurched or the de-churched category. Either they never have crossed the threshold of a church, or they did, but they are no longer. 64%. So six out of every ten people that you walk past, on the average are doing life outside of a relationship with a church, outside of the walls of the church. So when we think about our friend in in the foreign country who's never heard the gospel because the country hasn't allowed it, we, we seem to be more willing to embrace that and maybe do something about that 
than the six out of ten people that we walk past every day. We are living at a time when we are second and third generation removed from people who have ever crossed the threshold of a church. We are no longer the, the, the country where it is normal or natural or common that people go to church. We're just not. And so I think that the question that we, church people, should be asking is, if Jesus is everything that we profess him to be and everything that we claim him to be, and and that our relationship with Jesus truly makes a difference in how we live and who we are, then why aren't the people beating down the door to get into our churches? I, th- I think it's a fair question. And, and this is not a sermon on church growth, but I, but I want to point out the disconnect between what we, church people, profess and what others may be seeing and why the church is, by and large, uh, declining. And so what I want us to consider and what our scripture reveals about Jesus and the work that he did is his posture. How did Jesus approach the people? Verse 36 said, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Compassion. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Compassion. Jesus had compassion for those that were hurting and that were suffering. He was was seeing those people that were being beaten up by both the religious and And the political establishment, they had no voice, they were not represented, uh, and and there was no leader. And Jesus had compassion on them. They truly were, indeed, like lost sheep just wandering around in the wilderness. The gospel writers often frame Jesus' ministry in compassion, It's not exclusive to Jesus or the New Testament. In fact, uh, in the Old Testament, don't we hear the words that say that God is compassionate and slow to anger and what? Abounding in love. The God of the Old Testament is a compassionate God. In in fact, uh, the acts and the events of Israel's history are often interpreted as God's mercy and compassion on them. God is a compassionate God. It is his very nature. It's who he is. Jesus coming is an act of mercy by God on all of humanity for all time. There is no disconnect between who God is and what God does. And so, and so, of course, Jesus is compassionate. He can't help but be. That is his very nature. And he wants us, us church people, us followers, those of us who claim to be followers of Christ, disciples of Christ, he wants us to be compassionate too. I wonder if, I've been thinking about this a lot, and I wonder if those outside the church, I wonder if they would characterize the Christians they know or the ones they see 
in the public eye. I wonder if they would characterize them as compassionate. What do you think? Do you think the folks out there who are distancing themselves from Jesus and the church, do you think they would characterize Christians as compassionate people? I think a lot of times maybe not. I think a lot of times maybe not. I think how they see us may have something to do with our worldview. Do we see the events of the day, those things that are going on all around us, do we see them as Jesus would see them? Or do we see them as Jesus does see them? Sometimes I think that we are all becoming desensitized by the daily barrage of of violence and tragedy and destruction that come at us from every media source known to man. It is just a constant onslaught. And, And I think that it is beginning to have its effect on us to where we barely even acknowledge it and move past it very quickly. Just this week alone, there was another mass shooting. There was this horrific fire in London where dozens of people lost their lives in both places. And so I wonder, and, and, and I wonder about myself too, and I wonder in that moment where I heard the news or saw the images, I wonder if compassion was the first thing that came to, to mind. I wonder if I paused and I wonder if I was aghast that someone just lost their life in such tragedy or did I just move past it and flip the channel and move on without realizing these are real people experiencing real tragedy whose families are now dealing with real heartache and so it it, it concerns me and I hope that it will concern you as well. I think this is how Jesus wanted his disciples to go and do the work that he had called them to do. I think it's how he wants us to feel when we see what's going on out there. He called them together. He gave them authority. And he sent them on their way. And he sent them to go and make a difference. And he said, as you go, proclaim the good news. Meaning, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going, wherever you're going, whoever you're encountering, whoever you pass, proclaim the good news and heal, offer healing, offer freedom. They have been empowered by the Spirit just as we have been empowered by the Spirit at our baptism to do the work that God has called us to do. I think we've fallen into the trap of, of even consumerism in the church to where we come and we get and then we go on about our business and, and that's not what you see in, in Scripture at all. You've been empowered to do the ministry of the one whose name you profess and yet we consume it and check the box and prepare for that place beyond the stars when folks are dying around us to hear the good news of the gospel, they are right in front of us and we see them as just faces. They want to hear a message of hope. A few months ago, 
the staff and the leadership of Harrison Church studied together a book called Get Their Names. Maybe you were involved in that. And we had a discussion around it. And the the authors um, in the book argue that we church folk have lost our ability to speak about what God is doing in our lives. We've They claim that we have no developed language for communicating who Jesus is, even to us. We, We don't do it in our small groups. We don't do it in our families. We don't even do it here at the church. And so then when we go out there into the world, we have no words, we have no language to be able to naturally tell the people who want to hear the good news the message of hope. Hopefully, if you have been in a church meeting recently or a small group or you've come to my office or to Pastor Shane, hopefully you've noticed we've been intentional about now beginning to start asking the question, so so how have you experienced God this week? And for those men who are in my small group, you know how uncomfortably silent it gets. And when you look at your shoes, and I won't let you off the hook, and it sits there. And as we begin to do it week after week, we begin to go into the world looking for how God might show up. How we might see and experience Christ at work in us and through us and around us. So let's get back to our friend at the airport. So she's standing there. You're the first Christian she's ever met. You've proclaimed it. Yes, I'm a Christian. And she's immediately put you on the hook and said, Who is Jesus? What will you say? What will you say? If you want to be biblical, you might say that Jesus is the Son of God. Or or like John the Baptist, he's the, the Lamb of God who was slain. And that's not what she wants to hear. Or, or you can say the Messiah, but that doesn't mean anything. Or, or the Holy One, or, or a prophet, or the great prophet. That doesn't mean anything to someone who's never heard the story of Jesus. What the woman wants to know, and the six out of ten people that you pass by every day, what they want to know is who is Jesus to you? How has Jesus made a difference in your life? Is this Jesus thing any good for you? Tell me. I want to know. They want you to share your faith story. Not doctrine. Not beliefs. Not not even deep theology or dogma, Christian dogma. They don't want a list of do's and don'ts or, or how do you enter the club. They want to know what difference does Jesus make in your life and why should it matter to me. And it is the greatest and the safest story for you to tell. Because see, if you introduce doctrine, you better be prepared for a fight. But if you tell your story, no one can argue. It's your story. It is undeniable. Before Jesus, I was this, and now I'm not, and I'm something different. And that's your story, and it is undeniable. And you can't argue that. 
This is the kind of faith sharing that happens in relationship. It's not the kind of faith sharing that we envision or we see or that we're turned off by where someone's standing on the corner in a public place waving the Bible and condemning everyone to hell unless they turn away from their ways, right? That doesn't accomplish anything. But when you develop a relationship with a person where they begin to know that you care, we used to say in youth ministry that they don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so what I'm asking you is to begin to care for the people around you, the people who are right in front of you, the folks at the restaurant that serve you, the folks who give you your Starbucks every day, the folks that you work out next to at the gym or you carpool with or you work with, even your family. They want to hear your story. And when you're in relationship with them, you begin to see and hear openings that will allow you to begin to tell that. You see, not everyone will be receptive. But there are certain times in a person's life the data shows when they are more open to hearing the good news. A new marriage, a new baby, a change in job, a loss of a job, a loss of a loved one, a divorce. Any of a number of those situations that we all experience and we know the people around us are experiencing are the perfect times to have deep, meaningful conversation about who Jesus is and what difference he makes. The author of one of the books I read for my studies um, talked about uh, a relationship he began with the person at the toll booth where he goes every morning when he commutes. And in those 30 or 40 seconds that they have this transaction, they began to develop a relationship. And over the next few years they began to get to know each other. And they talked about kids and spouses and, and, and grandchildren and, and deep, meaningful things that were going on in their lives. Eventually, it opened up an opportunity for him to share his faith and lead the person to Christ, as we like to say. In less than a minute, every day, over a period of time, because they knew each other. They knew each other's names, and that is the basis for their writing is, is let's, let's ask these people right in front of us who we often see as invisible, ask them their names. Some of us have begin, began this practice, and I can tell you a list of people now that I know. Eileen hands me my dry cleaning, and, uh, and, uh, and Teresa uh, serves me my coffee, and Matthew uh, is the, the fitness instructor at the gym where I go. And we have begun with simply saying something like, tell me your name. If I'm going to see you every day, we should know each other's names, right? That's the, that is the kind of evangelism that we are called to do out of compassion for the people around us. You may have heard that our staff has begun to, to take our staff meetings off campus. And we've encouraged other of you uh, meetings and groups and to do the same. We meet at a coffee shop not too far from there. It's been uh, from here. It's been about three months or so. And, and the owner and the employees 
now expect us at 9.30 on a Tuesday morning. They have a table for us, and we go and we conduct our business in their coffee shop, and it has been a huge blessing to us. We now know their names. They look forward to us being there. We look forward to being there. We've had the opportunity to meet other people around us and invite them to come and, and worship with us. It gives us opportunities to have conversation. Conversation. When we begin to see people as more than just faces that we pass, but people just like us that are hurting and they're looking for someone to show them compassion. In a few weeks, Pastor Shane announced, in a few weeks we're going to have worship out on the lawn in a tent. And um, and in a few and and over the next few weeks, uh, I'm going to invite you to to pray, sit and listen, and allow the Holy Spirit to bring before you names of people that you might engage, and that leading up to that event, you might invite them to come and worship with us. I, I just wonder, I wonder if we have come to a place, we, Harrison Church, I wonder if we've come to a place where we're now ready to be more outward-focused than inward-focused. We've spent a lot of time talking about things here on the campus, buildings and programs and staff and offices and all that stuff, finances. I just wonder if we're now ready to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be the people of God for the world, out there and so I challenge you to let us go together as Jesus sent his disciples into the community proclaiming with our words the kingdom has come and it is a beautiful thing and you can be healed and you can be released and you can be free the harvest it is still harvest time and Jesus is still looking for workers. Let us pray. God, for the high and holy privilege of being called to harvest, to be your workers, uh, to be about your business that Jesus taught us and modeled for us. Lord, open our eyes to see, I pray. That the people in front of us, that serve us, that wait on us, that cater to us, that they may become people for us. That we will see their faces and hear and know their names and that we will listen well to what's going on in their lives and the opportunities where we can speak a word of, of hope and truth. God, that you would pour out your mercy and grace and compassion not only on us, but through us that we might rise to the occasion that nothing else will become more important than being the people that we proclaim to be, that others might see and come to know you. I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Harrison Church now offers text to give. A quick and easy way to tithe or donate anytime, anywhere. Text HUMC and your gift amount to 73256.
For more information, you can visit us online at harrisonchurch.org.